0: hey and welcome to the stay wild trauma child podcast i'm steph and i'm jamie
1: your trauma tour guides please keep your hands arms and legs oh jame we're their hosts as i was saying we are two best friends that are openly sharing their healing journeys while navigating sudden loss parenthood relationships mental health and so much more
0: so this is your trigger warning That Jame and I will be discussing highly sensitive topics, including abuse, domestic violence, and murder in most, if not all, of our episodes.
1: We aren't for the faint of heart. We cuss like sailors, and we have a pretty dark sense of humor. So if either of those things bother you,
0: this is where your tour ends. Oh, hey, Jame. Don't forget to tell them that we aren't medical professionals.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah we're definitely not medical professionals but we probably need them
0: <laughs> <laughs> so grab your favorite drink get cozy and get ready for a whole lot of laughs and maybe even a little bit of healing
1: there was a really good image i want to make one like a graphic somehow for people to understand but like one of our own without being trying to seem like we're scientists of any so we're but maybe just to help our listeners like really understand because it's talking about the neuroception, basically your brain's understanding of certain what's happening. Um, the neuroception of safety and the neuroception of danger and the neuroception of life threats. And so it has a sympathetic nervous system, the gas pedal. It's like sympathetic dominance. It's I Think of it as, as a yellow light. So the neuroception of safety, freedom, food, fun, friends, like you're completely safe. You're definitely in the I am, like you're in your most connected part. That's your parasympathetic nervous system, social engagement, or as dorsal vagal dominance for anyone who likes studying the brain. But it's like your low tone parasympathetic because I was like, hold on. When you're in freeze, fold, faint, flop, the the worst ones. They have all these different names on this chart to basically break up the last um, three, which was flop, freeze, and whatever fawn. I said. Not fun. There's fawn. like faint. There's so many fucking f stuff. Oh, freeze. You do love that f word. Freeze, flop, and flood. Freeze, flop, and flood. So I was like, hold on a second. You're also in your parasympathetic nervous system when you're at like the neuroception of like your life is threatened, which is dorsal vagal dominance. But it's high tone, whatever that means on this chart. I need to go research it a little bit more. But that's complete like disorientation and immobilization you of your body. Dorsal, vega? dorsal vagal nerve. Or sorry, not nerve. Dur- dorsal vagal part of your brain. Isn't the vagal nerve like the exercises that you can do to, is that resonating with you at all? Have you heard about like vagal something, breathing exercises?
0: Oh, um, shit. What did you say it was? Dorsal vagal nerve?
1: Just dorsal vagal.
0: So the dorsal vagal is the backside of the vagus nerve responds to cues of danger. It moves us away from connection and into protection. (laughs) Funny little rhyme. When we experience a cue of extreme danger or life threat, we can shut down and feel numb or frozen. We have moved into a dorsal vagal state.
1: Mm-hmm. But your dorsal vagal dominance can also be activated when you're feeling completely safe and present. So I was like really thinking about this and I'm like, if my dorsal vagal is activated, even though it's low tone, whatever that means, I need to read this really small font. And my eyes hurt. So come back later. Stay tuned, guys. I'll have more on this, but it just kind of like begs the question for me. And my dorsal vagal could be activated when I'm feeling in my most safe state. And so present, it's kind of like that. How could that be similar? Not how could I know, like think about all the ways it could be similar. If you're super present and feeling safe and happy, think about how present you're feeling in the presence of such extreme danger and the reason for the shutdown is because you are so present and aware even more so than when you're in your, than when you're in your, just your sympathetic nervous system and just operating in that space.
0: Were you talking about ventral vagal
1: breathing? It could be that. Um, it's like how to activate your vagus nerve.
0: So there was this one question that says, how do you get into ventral vagal state? And to so specifically deep breathing directly stimulates the ventral vagal system since the vagus nerve passes through the vocal cords. Research, blah, 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 blah. Research shows that mindful deep breathing from the diaphragm Reduces cortisol, the stress hormone. Hmm. Huh, interesting. What does dorsal vagal shutdown feel like? Shutdown or freeze or faint occurs through the dorsal branch of the vagus nerve. This reaction can feel like fatigued muscles and lightheadedness of a a bad flu. When the dorsal vagal nerve shuts down the body, it can move us into immobility or disassociation.
1: So... We talked about how it works in the brain, but because we went heavy, heavy, or on the last episode of the primal wounds about how that really worked, I feel like if anyone was truly interested in that, they can uh, go do the further research because we, you and I really went over that in the last one. And so us just kind of vaguely explaining where this is in the brain with a few tidbits here and there, they can kind of go off if they want to but since we are like not a neurosciency podcast i don't we'll just share some fun facts here and there
0: or neuroscientists
1: yeah and if you really want to hear me whore out on neuroscience go listen to humiliation one part two because <laughs> my brain melted for like two weeks after that i wasn't born to be a neuroscientist i was like that melted my brain i'm i'm done for about a month and then we'll revisit The last thing I tripped over, tripped across, tripped over, when I was looking up the trauma responses was when it's transformed or worked through, here's how your default slash natural response to trauma works at its best. And I don't, did I say at the beginning of the episode, did I even mention what I said I wanted to mention?
0: I don't think so. I think we just started off on tangents.
1: For Christ's sakes. I try to be so organized and then my brain shows up. So for a negativity reframe of the trauma responses, because everyone hears these and they're like, Oh, I've experienced so much trauma. This is just who I am and how I respond to things. Yes, but not quite. So your trauma responses are necessary responses that are designed to protect you. You are pretty much born with them, but these responses, they get molded or almost warped through your trauma, through your childhood and they kind of change the essence of the response, if you will. And so I looked at, or when I found these images, I was like, oh my God, I love them so much because it shows the positive. It shows like what you can get out of being a fight, flight, freeze, or fawner. Unfortunately, they didn't have ones past that, but for flight, or not flight, we're not doing flight, Jamie. These like multiple Fs are throwing me off. So for fight, um, it says at its worst, which we've already talked about, uh, bully, explosive, controlling, entitlement, type A personality, blah, blah, blah. But at and when they say narcissistic rage, outer critic, I'm OK, you're the one who's not OK, dominating. And this I also want to design a little graphic like this because it's awesome. It's a uh, can you see it? Did you open one of them or no? Um, I didn't. I I went to open
0: one of them earlier.
1: No, you're totally fine. It's just like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a a T cross arrow, and it's one of those, like, here's the approach, and here's the... And there's two different ones, and so I kind of wanted to combine them and make it our style. And so it says, at your best, if, like, basically when you're learning to... If you can lean into and heal and um, uh, whatever, I I can't, your natural response, you can kind of transition that, transform that into assertiveness and boundaries and courage and determination and leadership and being very articulate. And I just thought those were really, I really wanted to look at the positive sides of like what you're working with. Yeah, because there's a balance like your fight response is absolutely necessary. But like, how can you utilize that response in a healthy way? Like we're not looking to get rid of it. We're looking to transform it. Whereas I feel like the, a lot of the narrative with like therapy and, and the trauma that we've experienced is to kind of like heal it and get rid of it almost. Whereas with this, we want you to think about it. Like you inherently have this within you. It's just needs some new paint on the walls. Like it needs to be transformed. It needs to be molded back into what it was supposed to be from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, I'm now seeing that both images have the same thing. They just look different. So that works. I just saw two pretty images, and I was like, I love it. Uh-huh. I love I love charts so much. So wrapping up this episode um, and kind of how we started it is like, what are the origins? Cause that's very important to Steph and I, I, we both feel like it's really hard to like dig into. And at least for me, I know speaking for myself, it's really hard for me to dig into things and begin to heal them. If I can't even have a basic understanding of where I need prompts, I need to kind of understand where this may have started or come from for me to kind of put myself back in that situation and relive live it and understand it. To start to heal it.
0: Well, because it gives you a starting point. Mm -hmm. That was like when I was talking to you about my course and like so much of this healing journey. Like most people have basically thrown a wet piece piece of paper at a dartboard and they're like, "Okay, where is it going to stick? Like you don't really know, like unless like we are very fortunate to have each other along this journey You know what I mean? But not everybody's fortunate to either have a friend that has been on the journey longer than them or at the same time as them to be like, oh, I found this out. Like, have you found this out or like, have you ever heard of this before? You know, and a lot of it is really like learning to set your ego aside and be willing to be like, oh, that's that's why I do that thing. That's why I react the way I react. Or that's why this certain scenario in my life really holds such a bearing over me you know like yeah absolutely there's no blueprint to any of this so when you start figuring out terms and like there's a there's a reason you know there's a quote-unquote reason to a tiny little piece of the puzzle that makes up me I I guess it's also in ways it's like a reaffirming feeling that like okay I, I have these things that have happened to me and I have these experiences that I've collected along the way of my life, but like I'm not the only one that has had these experiences, or like, yeah, it's almost like putting a method to the madness, like, it doesn't give you all the answers, like, it doesn't clear up everything for you, but it kind of gives you a, a pathway, kind of absolutely, or like a, a direction.
1: <laughs> and adding on to that, I feel like when I was texting Amy the other night and we were talking about, well, I I was researching and something prompted me to text Amy and I was researching or not researching, but I was reading and there was this chapter and this is kind of like my takeaway from what he said. This isn't what he said exactly, but basically he was saying that we spend so much of our lives feeling a lot of guilt and shame surrounding our trauma responses, our mental illnesses, like just, just, the defects, if you will, in our brains. Um, mm-hmm. And so much of that is rooted in shame and guilt and, and wanting to isolate and hide away and feeling like an absolute monster. And when you bring all of these things together and you start to develop knowledge and read statistics, you almost humanize that part of yourself again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely and the shame kind of starts to drop and it can go one of two ways. You can start making excuses and make it your identity, which I feel like a lot of us have done um, when we first are starting down this path. It's like, well, I'm just blank. I can't help, but you can't help it. And then you start to go down the secondary path of like, I don't have to have shame here, but I do need to fix it because if I have Mm -hmm. shame, I'm not gonna be able to fix it. But I feel like humanizing that monster inside of you is an essential a crucial uh, it has to happen in order absolutely for you to actually make progress. We keep saying we're gonna talk about the origins and if <laughs> we keep going down money trails and it's my damn fault I know it, but we were talking about the flight response or the fight response and where it stems from, where it can originate from. And that's why we went down a rabbit hole. But this response, the fight response, tends to stem from the unconscious belief that maintaining power and control over others will lead to the acceptance, love, and safety that you need, but didn't get in your childhood. Hmm. The extreme control freak. I was definitely there for a while.
0: That's why they mentioned type A, too. Like, mm-hmm. the super organized, super... I would also assume that some some people have developed OCD. With this being their trauma response that like, you know, it's funny having it's
1: actually flight. Really?
0: Yeah, but we'll go into the next episode. Huh? That's interesting. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I could see the type A personalities, like the people pleaser, like everything has to be exactly perfect at all times. Like failure is not an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I can. Absolutely.
1: So it says it tends to show up more commonly when your caregiver's parents didn't provide reasonable and healthy limits, Uh gave you whatever you asked for, shamed you, demonstrated narcissistic rage, bullying, or disgust towards you. Hmm. And while fight often refers to actual physical or verbal aggression, it can encompass any action that you take to stand up to a threat or negate it or like snuff it out, shut it down.
0: So we did start talking about this in the beginning of the episode, but then that's how we it led us to our tangents of our, of our childhood. So yes, that's why I was like,
1: I guess we'll start yeah. here. And then I was like, I don't like starting here. This is supposed yeah. to be the end. It's okay. We mixed it up. <laughs> God. It's the control but... freak me. It's the fighter in me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, get over Enough it. fighter. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So they actually have a few examples and I'm like scared to read them out loud because check, check, check. So a few examples of like a fight response isn't always like screaming, getting in someone's face. Like it's not always like they said, physical or verbal aggression. Like it it can be like making a public social media post after your partner cheats on you to let everyone know what they did. Done that one. Um, Shouting at your friend. You never publicly posted that i absolutely did i absolutely did photos and everything i just i don't ever remember you public what 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 did you say i just hid you from seeing it oh (laughs) because that's the flighter in me because i knew jamie that wasn't right knew i would get the phone call i know it wasn't right but it felt good shouting at your friend when they accidentally mentioned something you wanted to keep private yes and no i've done that not like in my adult years, though. Spreading a rumor about a coworker who criticized you at work. Eh, I've never done that one. That's like really malicious. Refusing to speak with your partner or someone for a week or more when they lose your favorite sunglasses. I've never been that bad. That's that's a little intense. Sorry for judging anyone who's listening who has done that. Um, you're intense, and it's okay. We still love you, but that that's pretty intense says the psychiatrist this psychologist walker also notes that a fixed flight response can underlie narcissistic defense defenses indeed experts recognize childhood abuse as a potential cause for narcissistic personality disorder though other factors may play a part in your relationships you might tend more towards ambivalent or avoidant attachment styles i really like this uh, article because it like kind of wrapped up with like the attachment style like cool we can tie this back some when we get to that that series
0: because i think attachment styles is next after trauma
1: damn it i'm dying again my headphones not me let me see if it it'll do it again oh god that was that was fail so please join us next week because I'm going to talk stuff into cutting out a bunch of the shit we talked about when it comes to my mom. So hopefully we can squeeze this shit show of an episode into one episode. Please join us not next week, but the following week to hear about the flight response. Thank you once again for listening to us talk shit. (laughs)
0: Oh goodness.
1: Our first series, our first episode of every series we start, I feel like is an absolute shit show because we're like totally transitioning over from a subject we got comfortable and familiar with over to something like new and different and we're just like yeah so then uh, uh," and then by this third episode we're like talking like we've been in fucking psychology 101 for eight years i think noah might um disown me if he if he doesn't get to say hi to you
0: he can come say hi
1: he's starting to get to the point where he won't take no for an answer i'm trying to keep him down here Yep, come here. We'll let Noah end the episode. <laughs> come, here. come here. Oh, is the door locked? Jokes <laughs> on you.
0: He's like, I'm trying, woman.
1: You don't, you don't need me. You want me.
0: I need okay. you. <laughs>
1: hey, can you do me a special big boy favor? Yeah. Okay. Are you sure? No, he's Steffi. Okay, okay. But you gotta, no, you got to see Steffi. Oh my God! Stop squirming. Yeah. Is... Hey Steffi. Hi, baby. Can you do me a huge favor? Yeah. Can you do me and Steffi a big favor? Yeah, Okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. you see the microphone? We're still recording. Hey, Steffi. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Back up. Steffi. Okay, I need you to say this into the microphone. Okay, what? listen listen to my words. Say stay wild and don't raise a trauma child. Hey, baby. Curl. Girl. Puzzle. Girl. 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 No. Don't keep the door open. Okay, you're distracted. <laughs> you're distracted. Let's try this again. Just yeah. tell him
0: to
1: say, st- <laughs> give him two okay, words you, at a time. I- Here, okay. Can you say two words for me? Okay. Say, stay wild. Wait, stay wild. Hey, stay okay, wild. you don't have to get cl- that close. Okay. <laughs> stay wild. Okay, don't touch it. Now say, and don't raise a trauma child. We're trying to. Say, and don't raise a trauma child. No, you. So, say, okay, say, stay wild. Stay wild. And don't raise a trauma child. We can't Are, say that. You can't say that? Are you a trauma child? We're, we can't say coma child. What? Uh, oh, a coma. Trauma, a coma child. What? Are you coma a coma child. We are so grateful to those of you who have allowed us to take up space in your lives and supporting us while we share some of our
0: most vulnerable moments. As James said, your support means the world to us. So we would absolutely love to know your thoughts on the show. So please leave us a review on any of our platforms and also make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The links are posted in our show notes. This concludes your tour of Stay Wild Trauma Child. Please remain seated until. Oh, tell. God, James. <laughs> thank you for listening we love you and as always
1: stay wild